0: Praise the Lord and thank you guys for leading us in worship uh, this morning and telling about the coming of the Lord Jesus. We wait for a day when, with certainty, God has appointed a time that Christ will return as judge and victor over the whole world. And every knee, as we sang already, will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And while He tarries, we have the opportunity to accept His invitation. To be those who, by the transformation uh, of ourselves, we willfully bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. That's what we're doing here in this place uh, today. And so thank you guys for leading us in those truths already today. We've been in a series called The Bible, What We Know About God's Word. And the heart uh, behind this series uh, is that we, as God's people, wouldn't merely... Uh, benefit from the the second-hand uh, or the secondary blessings of uh, the people of God, the friendship, the fellowship, the the prayers for each other, the encouragement, the support, the good feelings, all of which are a part of being together, but that we would have a grounding in the truth, that we would be sending our children out into the world, that when the first wind of persecution blows or the first scorching uh, light of uh, heat comes upon them, uh, that they would not wither away, but they would have, uh, thus saith the Lord, that they would know in whom and in what they have believed. Jesus tells a parable uh, in his life of the, um, this happens from time to time, uh, by the way. So uh, if it keeps happening, we'll just, we'll just turn them off. But uh, Jesus tells a parable in his life. This is better than the bird that was in here on Mother's Day. Y'all remember that? Let me, let me breathe for a second. Jesus tells a parable in his life um, of uh, the seed that was cast out on different types of soil. And one of those soils was a a shallow earth that allowed the seed to spring up suddenly. And, and, And it was vibrant and had all the appearances of life and health. But the first wind, the first heat that came, that seed died. We want to launch kids and adults out into this world as fully committed disciples of Jesus Christ, knowing that they stand upon his word. And so that's what we're doing this morning. The Apostle Peter, the Peter that you've read about all throughout the Gospels, uh, writes a letter to a certain group of people in 2 Peter. We'll be there today, 2 Peter chapter 1. He writes a letter uh, to these folks uh, as he is himself in prison and will shortly be executed. And this is not a mystery to him. He knows it, and he says so in in what we're going to read in just a moment. He's in prison for his faith, for believing and telling and standing on the truth of Jesus. And he he knows that execution is coming, that his earthly body is going to be taken from him. And he writes this letter in that context. Keep that in mind. And he does so with compassion on a group of people who have begun to walk following Christ. But persecution has come. From the the outside, this is probably the time of Nero, the wicked emperor who oppressed Christianity. I mean, uh, oppression is coming, and their own heroes in their faith are in prison and pending execution. And hardship has come from within the church, too, as false teachers have come and are saying, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, what God has said is not enough. Uh, it's, it's not enough there. We need to add to that. And in fact, why don't we just begin weaving in some of the wickedness of the outside culture in the name of uh, a true faith? And so Peter is writing into this because what questions would you have? What questions would you have if your faith was being threatened that way at work and your job was on the line? And in losing your job, the house payment is on the line and the car payment is on the line, <clears throat> and your kids are about to turn 15 and 16, and you know they had hoped to drive and get a driver's license and, and maybe go to college, and, but it's all at stake now because of persecution, because there is something, a power against you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you want to know before you step out into that that this is real, that it's true? Wouldn't your mind say, Lord... I'm about to put it all on the line. And Lord, I need to know, if this is not the, the real deal, if it's not true, if it's just uh, something that's <clears throat> that makes us feel good, God, I'm not going to plant the weight of my whole life upon it and lose everything. This is where these folks are. And the Apostle Peter writes into that as parting words. I'm about to go. My life's about to be over. And I've got a few final things that I've got to tell you, I was in the nursery this morning here at the church, mostly for the snacks. Uh, not really. Um, <clears throat> I went down there to see the kids. I like to see the the little babies at least. <clears throat> and uh, I went in there, and there were two. And uh, one of them reluctantly came to me, and uh, let me hold them for a second. And I took him, and I, I was going to toss him up in the air. That that's what. If you bring your babies here, they're going to get tossed, right? So. <clears throat> by the pastor, but I took him down, I was down there, and I, I had him in my arms, I know this baby, and uh, I, I just was about to toss him up in the air, and in a second, Miss Trina was sitting behind me in the, in the rocking chair, and that baby's face looked at me like, what's going to happen? And then he looked at Miss Trina like, is this okay? <laughs> and then I threw him in the air. Um, <clears throat> I took the other baby, your baby, Car- uh, Carrie, and I barely got my hands on him, and he threw himself in the air, you know. <clears throat> he was ready for it. Isn't it true, though, when we're about to leap, when we're about to jump, we want one final look of assurance? Miss Trina, is, is it going to be okay? I'm, I'm putting my faith in this guy, but I'm going to look over here. Is it, is it going to be okay? When you're about to place the weight of your life on what we know about Jesus Christ, it's natural to take one last look, one last examination. And say, is this for real? Is this going to be okay? Is there a victory to be had in Jesus? Or am I throwing it all away? That's what's written today to the people at this time by the Apostle Peter. So let's read together <clears throat> from Second Peter 1, verses 13 through 21. Uh, If you don't have your Bible today, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, uh, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And so we have those on the table in the back for you. Uh, Really nice, um, uh, good, credible versions of Scripture. You take that if you need it, no cost to you, okay? Just something we want to share with you. Verse 13. "I I think it right, Peter says. I think it right as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You're going to need to know this. I, I think it is right. I find it fitting as long as I'm still here to, to say it, to say it, to remind you of it, because you're going to need to recall these things after I'm gone. Verse 16, For we did not follow, we would be the, the apostles and the writers of the New Testament eventually, for we did not follow cleverly de- devised myths. Another version says cleverly concocted myths. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it firsthand. Uh, this, is, this is not manipulation. This, is what, this was a matter of fact. We observed it. Verse 17, For when he, that's Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. If you're familiar with Scripture, this refers to what we call the transfiguration, uh, an event at the end of Jesus' life when the glory of God kind of spoke and and revealed once again that that this is indeed the Son of God and that that this was a blessing from God. Verse 19, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will all do well to pay attention. As a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What does this mean? It's just a poetic way of saying we've got the the word of God like a lamp in a a dark place until what? Until the the risen word of God, until Jesus comes again. Uh, It says until the day dawns, right? And the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, knowing this, first of all, or above all, in first place, of of first importance, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever... How often was prophecy produced by the will of man? No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the holy spirit when much is at stake how do we know the bible is real i mean how do we know we go to this like it's our ultimate authority how do we know the bible is real and when the cost is dear to us is there a reason is there a basis to keep following jesus even at great risk i think we have four reasons for this in this text the first is this the bible is our truest testimony the Bible is our truest testimony. Uh, the, the Bible here appeals to the fact that the men and women through whom God uh, would eventually write the New Testament were what? Were eyewitnesses to what happened here. Uh, they saw it happen. Happened. And when, when Peter is telling this to, to these folks, and when we read it in Scripture, we're reading this from those who were physically present there. This is a firsthand account. We have a child at our house who's fond of telling us that he heard things, right? I heard this or that. Right? Well, do you know this to be true? No, I have heard this to be true. We have heard it to be true by men who saw it and heard it for themselves. And what did these men do? In the case of Peter and many others, what did they do? They went to their graves defending that this had happened. Who goes to their grave? Who faces a horrible death, a, a, a vicious murder? Peter, as history holds, was crucified. Here, just shortly from here was crucified. And he insisted on being crucified, what? Upside down. Because he was not worthy to be crucified in the same likeness as his Lord. And he went to that crucifixion. Listen, usually when the threat comes out, we recant that which is false, don't we? I mean, when the spikes come out and the hammer comes out and the the beams are laid crossways there and they're walking you, well, if this was a falsehood, if this was a cleverly devised myth, the apostle surely, and all of his contemporaries who walked that same road of martyrdom, surely they would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. This was just for play, guys this was just pretend, but they didn't do it. When I was working midnight shift for many years in law enforcement, I would often interview people there in the middle of the night who were up to no good or had been up to no good. You question them, and they were notorious and very good liars. I mean, they would lie and and to the point that many times I thought, you know, I'm wrong about this. And sometimes you would just kind of push a little bit on the door and And say, you know, I'm going to give you one last chance to tell us the truth. And I had my handcuffs right here on my belt. And they had a little case on them with a snap, right? And I would talk to them and they would continue to tell me the lie until what? Pop. I popped the snap on that, jingled out the handcuffs. They made a a noise that the people I was talking to would have been very familiar with. And uh, as soon as they heard that pop, Many, many times when those handcuffs came out, what did I hear? Well, hold on just a minute, right? Let me tell you what really happened. Honesty came. When we're under threat, when the consequences get real, we get honest. And so as Peter and all of these walk this road, having seen what happened with the Lord Jesus... Having listened and heard and, and and the divine nature of it and, and the prophetic words that he spoke uh, of his salvation and coming again, they saw it, eyewitnesses, and the fact that they defended it to their deaths. Until the last blood, a drop of blood fled from their empty hearts, until that heartbeat was so rapid and those vessels were so empty that it stopped. As they looked on, and the ones that they loved stood there at the feet of that cross or uh, there in, in the midst of that pain, and never once did they say, Hold on! It was just a cleverly devised myth. We were trying to do good, but listen, it wasn't true. No, they went and they died. The gospel of Jesus Christ is confirmed by eyewitnesses of the first order who walked face first, into the most violent deaths, declaring the truth. Can we stand on this? Yes, we can. Is it worth the risk, Lord? Yes, it is. The Bible is our truest testimony. But secondly, the Bible is our changeless priority. It is our unchanging or our changeless priority. As strong of a proof as the eyewitness testimony is, that's really not good enough, as the Apostle Peter writes here. Uh, he goes on to declare that uh, we have something even more sure, the prophetic word. And, and with, without getting deep in the weeds, what he's saying here is, listen, we were eyewitnesses of this. But even more certain, even a higher confirmation, it, is that this comes from God. This is the word <clears throat> of God here. It's a strong enough proof that they saw it, but the real power of the Bible comes that it is from God. And as such, it overcomes all forces that come against it. What are some of the forces that come against it here? Well, in this verse, in verse 19, we just see a couple. We see the darkness, number one. The the word of God stands as a lamp or as a light in the midst of the darkness. The darkness is powerful. The darkness wants to win. The darkness wants the attention as we walk through the world. Peter says, you do well. You do well. The darkness is vast. The darkness is great. The darkness seems bigger. But you do well if you look for the lamp. If you look to the light of God's word. The darkness is there. It's all around us. Make no mistake, it wants your kids. It wants your kids, it wants you to see this little lamp in the midst of a vast and powerful darkness until that day When the Lord Jesus dawns, no more little lamp then. But he wants your kids to look and to see and to feel the power and the opposing presence of the darkness. It would be easy to go with the darkness. The darkness hates the light. It hates those who love it. The darkness. But God's word is able to overcome that. It comes from God. The second here is time. How long is God's word to be listened to, to be heeded, to be looked to, until what? Until the Lord Jesus comes. That means God's word never expires. You ever heard those who say, well, yes, but this was written for a different what? A different time, right? And we know it says that, but at that time, you know, this was more acceptable, and, and nowadays it has changed. Listen, we are to look to God's word as a lamp in the midst of the darkness until when? Until the Lord Jesus is back. And so it never expires, it never grows old, it never changes. It is our changeless priority. My son, Reese, pulled the other day from the refrigerator a gallon of 2% milk. He's the only one in our house that likes 2%. Uh, the rest of us like full whipping cream. Uh, just kidding. Uh, we, we, do, we do skim milk. Don't you laugh so hard, Ralph. Um, <clears throat> We do skim milk, but he likes 2% milk, and so he pulled a gallon out the other day, and he looked at the expiration date, October 5th, and it was just a couple days after October 5th. He said, Dad, I, I don't know if this is good. He said, Will you, will you sniff it? And so uh, he handed it to me, and I opened the, the milk, and I sniffed it, and guess what? It smelled awful. In fact, you look inside, it wasn't even only liquid anymore. You know how that goes? There's little chunks in there. I mean, it, 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 a, a physical reaction. I mean, you know how that goes. You sniff it, and oh, the gag reflex uh, happens. And, and it, it was just putrid and spoiled and vomitous. And I handed it to him. I said, it should be fine, buddy. <laughs> <coughs> no, we didn't do that, did we? We didn't, we didn't drink the milk. <coughs> we didn't drink the milk that day. It's time had what? Come and gone. The Word of God never has such an experience. God's Word is timeless and unchanging. But Matthew, the darkness is great. The voice of the darkness seems reasonable. The things that they're saying out there in this vast darkness, you know, there is a logic to it. And after all, most of the people that I know around me are are repeating and parroting uh, the, the voice of the darkness. There's only a little lamp here, Matthew, Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure God's Word has not given out? That the light is not flickering? That the darkness has not snuffed it? That its time has not come and gone? I'm sure. Based on the authority of God's Word, this is our changeless priority. No matter what happens, the Word of God is a lasting Word. It lasts against the forces of darkness. It lasts against the passage of time. As the word of God is an unchanging, as God is an unchanging God, it should be to us the unchanging source and standard of his people. And listen, we should be found clinging to it. If these things are true, just the first two things we've talked about today, if they are remotely true, God's people ought to be clinging to that. That is a priceless presence in our life. But lastly... The Bible is our purest reality. Verse 20 through 21, <clears throat> the Bible is our purest reality. Listen here. It tells us that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along. That's, a, that's an important word. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit The strength and basis of the promise of the encouragement that's made here in God's Word uh, is that although penned by men, the Bible is not from the motives of men. And it does not contain the flaws of men. We've talked about Peter today. We could talk about Paul and Matthew and John and uh, all these others. We could talk about the Isle of Patmos and we could go to the Old Testament and talk about Samuel and David and the Psalms and all of these men who are credited with penning the words of Scripture. And we could say, well, surely this is mixed with errors. I mean, surely uh, the impulses and the, the motives of these men crept in here. Surely their opinions and their fallenness and their flawedness comes into God's Word. Somebody might say, well, you know, the, the words of Jesus in here are in red. You know, but over here in Romans, that's just the words of Paul. I mean, Paul surely is not as great as Jesus. And I promise you one thing, he is not. But the Bible speaks with one voice. The Bible uh, contains the words of God. And with unity, it itself is the word of God. And so if it's contained in this scripture... Listen, uh, it's not the mixture of error from the lives of men. This is spoken by God. How do we know this? We know it because the Bible tells us very clearly right here that the strength and basis of this is that it came by way of God. Men spoke from whom? From God. And by what means did this happen? They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Your Bible may say moved, which is fine. The truest sense of this word. Uh, is that they were carried along. Uh, This word is used of those who brought the crippled on the mat to Jesus for healing. Uh, It's used to transport uh, one thing uh, from one place to another. In fact, the Greek word is the word pharaoh. You ever ridden a ferry across a a river? Go from one side to the next. I brought a picture I want to show you. Uh, It'll be on the screen here in just a second. (coughs) Of a house of sorts. In uh, Kentucky, after the most recent floods. This is just one picture of, of many that you can find on the internet. But I watched an interview about this house, and the man was there, and he said, You know, we, we saw the floods rising. He said they came suddenly, and they came, crept up into our house, and we knew that everything we had was destroyed. But we were surprised when the floods lifted the house off of its foundation, a foundation of blocks there, and began to carry it along. And we didn't know where it was going to go. It was headed toward our our neighbor's house. And right before the crash, unexpectedly, the house pivoted and rolled off over almost into the river as if it had a, a life or a mind of its own. This is the image here of being carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's uh, The men, yes, they were there. And, and, and their hands held the, the pen. But the power wasn't theirs. When you see a house floating along, you better believe that the locomotion of that has nothing to do with the house. It's moved by the what? By the force of that water. And the direction that it goes has nothing to do with the house. And when it pivots at the last minute, for some reason, it has everything to do with the force and the direction of what? Of the water. And and, and we see this happening not only with the house here, but we see it happening with the Word of God. That the men were there, but the power was not theirs, and the direction was not theirs. The movement, the locomotion was not theirs. Who did it come from? It all came from the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, that eternal member of the triune. Godhead is the author of God's word and we may have confidence in that it is God himself who speaks to us by way of his word our own spirits are designed to respond and to awaken to this word of God because it is a direct revelation from whom from his own spirit you ever read God's word and it just means the world to you No comfort will come to you at all, and and nobody can help. They're bringing casseroles. They're coming to your house and sitting with you. They're praying for you, and the only words that will speak to your broken heart are the words of God. They awaken your spirit because they came from his spirit, the very spirit who set out to save you. This is God himself, and there is no muddled message from men. And so what do we do with this? God knew there would come hard times for following Jesus. Maybe you've experienced that already. Probably not quite like they saw in this day. And probably not quite like the days that lay ahead for us. We don't know what the Lord will do. We don't know. But listen, God knew these times would come. And the one assurance in this passage that he leaves us a first what, a first priority, in first place, Uh, a first of all, let me tell you this, is that God's word is true and reliable. And so how are you following Jesus this morning? It's not always easy, is it? But the way we follow him, our willingness, whether or not we're going to put the weight of our lives, of our friendships, of our school relationships, of our popularity, of our promotions, of our money, if we're going to put the weight of our life on that, it's because we know God's word is true. And so I encourage you this week, you go to God's word, and I want you to know you can step with courage on it, okay? Maybe you're here today and you've never heard much about this. You don't know much about God's word because you've never known that really that God loved you at all. And I want to tell you that, there is something else, someone else, that goes by this very same title, the Word of God. That is Jesus himself. And God sent that Word, the capital W, Word of God, to a cruel cross to give his life and to shed his blood on behalf of your sin. He took on him what he did not owe so you could have for you what you did not earn. And today, today, if you want to begin a journey with him, if you want to know salvation and eternal life, if that day when the Son of God dawns and the morning star rises in, your, in, in this world, is he going to be your Savior? If you'd like to come in just a moment, we'll have an opportunity for that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you this good morning that we can gather together as your people. <clears throat> yes, to know you and yes, to love you but Father, to remind ourselves that, that we are known by you, that we are loved by you. We thank you for that. Father, I thank you for the word of God. And me, like others, Father, I know that I don't give to this word the attention and the affection, the investment of my life and my heart that it deserves based on what it is. But I pray you would change that in me today that more and more throughout my life that you would help me to grow in loving this and being shaped by it. And when life is hard because following Jesus is not easy and the darkness uh, does not want us to do it, I pray that nonetheless I would look to you, the author and perfecter of my faith, and see, no, 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 this is true and altogether worthy of my life. Father, I pray for this time today that if there's those in this room who need to respond to you for the first time, I pray that they would come If there are those in this room who need to confess sin or need to bend the knee and ask that your your lamp in this dark place be more of a guiding light to them, I pray they would come, that you would do a work in us that we cannot do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond.